You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Very glad that I can be with you in a passage that has been very um, impactful and ministering to my own heart. So I'd ask you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be studying verse 14 to verse 16 today. I'd like to uh, personally thank you for uh, praying for uh, winter camp, our weekend uh, retreat for youth ministry that we had last weekend. Uh, It was both, at the same time, the worst weather of any winter retreat that I've been on, and at the same time, the best, most refreshing spiritual retreat that I've ever been on. And, and please pray for us again next weekend because we're taking a crew of, and this number could increase, but right now uh, 31 grade 6 to grade 8s up to Muskoka for uh, the weekend retreat. Um, I really with all of my heart believe that one of the uh, most um, labor-intensive um, things that you can do in the church uh, is serve as a small group leader in youth ministry. And I have a lot of respect and admiration for uh, the high school leaders and the junior high leaders. And I've seen them especially, not, uh, not just on our weekly meetings in youth ministry, but especially on our weekend retreats, I've seen the, the extent of their level of tolerance. Um, there was a retreat that happened, it was, I think it was even before I started working here, but it's really become urban legend right now. Um, Amanda, who is one of the girls singing on the stage, has been a junior high leader for longer than I've been here, and there's this urban legend that apparently somehow the carcass of a dead wild turkey ended up on her front porch of her cabin or something like that. And I don't know if it was that or just just the fact that it was really cold out. But sometimes on these retreats, there's a breaking point, right? And your level of tolerance is tested. Um, And I'm sure you've experienced this in your own life too. Might not be the carcass of a dead animal, but maybe it's your school, um, a specific subject, or a coworker, a family member. I'm sure, as I have been tested, there. You have been tested with your level of tolerance, and all of us, all of us have a breaking point. And I don't care how many motivational statements are on that wall in Good Life by that guy who wrote that book and started the gym. Sometimes I just can't do anymore. But I've learned it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to be able to honestly confess that we're weak, isn't it? It's a good thing to honestly confess that we're weak. What really hurts us is when we're weak, lingering in our weaknesses and self-pity. It's too hard. My boss is too mean. This person's too demanding. And we linger on it, and it turns to bitterness. And our hearts become hardened. This passage that we're reading today in the whole uh, literature that was written um, was originally written to people who were in this exact spot. Hard hearts reached their breaking point, ready to give up. They were a Jewish audience who had believed in Jesus and were born again, but their Jewish peers were, were really persecuting them for for believing in Jesus. 
And they came to a point where maybe they thought maybe the best option is just to back out and forsake Jesus and just go back to the old covenant Judaism. And today, I hope that we will be able to take an honest look at our own hearts. And the Lord has used this passage for me in the past month and a half, two months, to examine my own heart and to see my own hardness. And I hope that as Jesus Christ is lifted up and exalted through the word of God, that you would learn to hold fast when your heart is hard. And I hope specifically that you will see the three qualities of Jesus and that these three qualities of Jesus will strengthen us, will strengthen you to hold fast when our hearts are hard. So as we always do to honor God, uh, let's stand to read his word together. This is the word of the Lord It speaks to us today, and it says, Hebrews 4.14, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in this body of flesh, corrupt as it is, I'm tempted daily, hourly, so often, all the time, I'm tempted by the deceitfulness of sin. And God, I know we all, we all listen to the lies. But Father, turn our ears to your word. Turn our ears to hear what you have to say to us. Speak to us by the Holy Spirit that today we would hear your, hear your voice, that we would not harden our hearts, but that we would look to you, we would trust in you, and we would draw near to you because we need you, Lord. I need you, Father. Please, Lord, Reveal the secrets that we've been hiding for so long that have made us crusted over and embittered towards others into you. Reveal them that we would fall to our knees in confession and repentance and turn back to you. Thank you that you have called us your treasured possession. Help us to believe that, that we would trust you and go to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Three qualities of Jesus that will strengthen us to hold fast when our hearts are hard. The first one is found in verse 14. I'll read that again. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Here's the first quality of Jesus that will strengthen you to hold fast when your heart is hard. He is our superior high priest. Jesus is our superior high priest. So when the priesthood was inaugurated, um, Aaron, the brother of Moses, was the first priest that acted on behalf of uh, the covenant people of God. And we get a glimpse of what his responsibilities were just 
at the first verse of chapter 5. So why don't you turn your eyes there and we'll read that. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, For every high priest chosen among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. The high priest was a special designation and had a special responsibility to offer a special sacrifice for sins once a year that would atone for all of the sins of every person of the people of God. You might know it as the Day of Atonement, that day where the special sacrifice was given. The uh, Jews today actually still, though they don't follow a sacrifice anymore, they still have this day in their calendar. It's called Yom Kippur. God designated this sacrifice to atone for all the sins of all his people annually. And, and priesthood is a central theme within the book of Hebrews. And throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer is so intent on us, the reader, and those he originally wrote to, on understanding that Jesus' high priestly ministry is superior in every way and every form and every fashion to the ministry of Aaron, the first high priest, and all of his contemporaries that followed. Aaron and his contemporaries were chosen, ministered, died, and were replaced, but our superior high priest Jesus stands to minister to us forever. Aaron and all his contemporaries themselves were sinful humans. But our superior high priest, Jesus, is the sinless son of God. Aaron ministered in a tent made by human hands, but Jesus ministers at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Aaron offered sacrifices annually, year after year after year, but our superior high priest, Jesus, offered a sacrifice and finished his work once for all. Aaron and his contemporaries offered bulls and goats as a blood sacrifice for the atonement of sin, but Jesus Christ, our superior high priest, offered the sacrifice of his own blood to atone for our sins once for all. All right, it's not lost to me that many of us um, maybe are new to the Bible, or even if we've been only studying the Bible for some time, we, we only know a bit about Hebrews, and it's not lost to me that many of us might not know like a lick about Leviticus or all of the descriptions and prescriptions for the high priestly ministry, but this central theme and motivation was in every stroke of every pen of the writer of the book of Hebrews to prove to the Jewish audience who believed in Jesus and were being persecuted by their peers that, hey, hey, you can't go back to the old covenant because Jesus is superior in every way. This is a non-negotiable. You can't go back. But they were being deceived by their sinful, hardened hearts. And they were being led astray from even this crucial non-negotiable. 
Saj, I need your help. You're in the sermon now, okay? All right, so uh, do you like steak? <sighs> Me too. If I could go to any restaurant, get any, like, like to the fancy places, you know, where they don't have the decimal numbers for the, for the price, it's just like 32. It's like, is that a... So if, if for the sake of your taste, is, do you prefer your steak a little undercooked? Nah. A little? Like, how would how you take your steak? Medium well? All right, all right. I, I like mine medium rare. It's taken a bit to get to that. One day you will too. It's okay. <laughs> now, okay, so for the sake of uh, preference and taste, you can have it as you is. But now, is there another food that you think that you would have that if, if this comes on my plate and this isn't cooked all the way through, you better take that back? Like, what kind of food would, would that be? Chicken, yeah, for real. Like, when's the last time that you went to Swiss LA and the waiter or waitress was just like, how would you like your quarter chicken done? It's like, no, 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 no. All the way, because there are some things, maybe like pork or chicken. I even like read online, apparently like red kidney beans. You want to cook those all the way through because there's, like, there's some toxins in those that you got to boil out. But there are some things for the sake of health that are just non-negotiable. You're cooking that all the way through or it's going back. There are some things in our Christian faith that for the sake of our eternal destiny are non-negotiable. And one of these is the superiority of Jesus Christ as our only high priest who offered a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Maybe you're here and you're exploring the Christian faith. Or you're really just trying to understand what Christianity is, you need to know this. Jesus Christ, as the only sacrifice for our sins, and faith in his sacrifice, is non-negotiable, capital W, only way to qualify for eternal life in heaven. That's it. But to my friends who have hard hearts right now, have you forgotten this? Have you forgotten that Jesus Christ is the capital W only way? Jesus Christ is our superior high priest. If you have a hard heart, you need to look to him. You need to look to him alone. Now, I know, I know Christian, I know Christian, you haven't cognitively forgotten that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? No, 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 no. But by your practice, you've shown that you've forgotten because you're so focused on the deceitfulness of your sin and your hardness of your heart that you have not approached to him in confession and repentance in how, how long? Weeks? Months? Years? I wonder if sin deceives you in the same way that sin deceives me. For me, a hard heart always starts with pride. I come home from work, Jason, you worked hard, man. You had a good day today. You worked hard. Just relax for a bit. You know, watch some Netflix. It's like, I know we don't have a dishwasher and it takes a long time to do, your wife can do the dishes. Don't worry about that, man. It's like, watch another episode of Netflix. You deserve it. Get another bag of chips. Yeah, just enjoy that, right? Does sin deceive you in the same way that it deceives me? When I linger on my pride... It bleeds into my relationships. And I begin to look at my wife 
and the people that I love most as existing in my world to conform to my will. And if they don't do the things that I want because it's all about me, I start getting bitter. And I know the right answer is to go back to Jesus. But because it's all about me, I look to God and I say, it's like, something's wrong with you. Does sin deceive you in the same way that it deceives me? How long, Christian, have you lingered in your bitter, hard heart? I wonder if there's anyone amongst us today who maybe, maybe this is the first time you're back, back at church for months because you don't like being around other Christians because you feel guilty, but maybe you still feel like uh, guilty that you should uh, be around Christians so that you, you watch, you've watched the live stream at home for, for ages and you're just back. And maybe there's some of you who if someone gave you just a push, you'd be out the door and you'd never return. Is that you? Does sin deceive you in the same way that it deceives me? You know the gospel is non-negotiable. You know Jesus Christ is gracious and merciful. I'm not going to even try and reason with you. Look to him alone. Don't look to your sin any longer. You know it's the only way. Look to him alone. I need it. When my heart is hard, I just need to look back to him. He is our only superior high priest. But if you're ready, if you're ready, because you're sick of having a hard heart, look to him and then let this comfort you. Not only is Jesus our superior high priest, but Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. Listen to this. Chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. All right, did you notice that there's, it, it's kind of like there's a double negative in verse 15. It says, we do not have a high priest who is, who, who is unable. This, in English, a double negative kind of like, like cancels it out, right? But in the original language that the writer of Hebrews was communicating in, double negative means like emphatic force. So really, we could, we could almost read it in this way. Church, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with your weaknesses because in all ways... And in all likenesses, he was tempted as we were, but he didn't sin. We have a high priest who is sympathetic. Some people are just, some people are just really bad at sympathy, though, right? Maybe you've experienced this like really bad sympathy. I've had to learn sympathy because I, I, in my nature, I'm not good at it. And I've actually noticed this with other young guys uh, like me who who love God's word and love, love other people, and when people are like confessing something or self-disclosing, it looks like we're listening. It's like, mm-hmm, yeah. But really in my mind, it was like, what's the perfect one-liner Bible verse that we're flipping to that in my mind so that as soon as they're done talking, it can be like, boom, thus saith the Lord, go in peace, you're fine now. <laughs> right? We, these people that just like, they care, but they just want to fix it, right? And they don't like feel, Yeah. I'm learning. My wife has taught me a lot with this. but And then there's like the, the people who 
you want to be sympathetic and you care, but just like you straight up don't get it. Like, so my family and I were able to travel um, not too long ago to Haiti and there's a family that we know down there, eight kids, mom's there, dad's not because he has mental illness. And we knew kind of some of her story, but not all of her story. And then she shared all of her story. And we learned that those eight kids came from multiple men who abused her, many of whom in the church. And like, we're all just like, like we want to care, but it's just like, we can't comprehend. How can I, I want to feel, but I just straight up don't get this. Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. In all ways, in all likenesses, he was tempted as we were, as I am, as you are, but he didn't sin. Christian, hard-hearted, bitter Christian who's been listening to your deceitful sin, have you forgotten? Jesus cares. Jesus sympathizes. Jesus has compassion. Look to him and trust him alone. You can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can trust him with your heart. You can trust him with your weaknesses. I really love that song in uh, Come, Thou, Come Thou Founts of Every Blessing, the line in that song. Maybe you remember this. And you can nod your head if you do. Prone to wander, Lord, I need thee. Do you guys remember that line in that song? Yeah? Prone to wander, Lord, I need thee. Prone to leave the God I love. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank to this statement that's on your screen and in your notes. My heart is prone to blank. What is it for you? My heart is prone to blank. And now, if, you, if you're hard-hearted today, your hard heart's telling you right now, you don't need to write this down. Just think about it in your head. No, 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 no. don't listen to that. We all need to be humble. I need to humble myself because I am so needy and so weak. And if we're honest, apart from Jesus Christ, we're all on a one-way track on the depravity train. Which station do you stop at most? Is it abusive behavior, adultery, anger, anxiety, arrogance, bitterness, blasphemy, boasting, conceit, covetousness, a critical spirit, deceit, dishonesty, disobedient to parents, double-minded, drunkenness, envy, extortion, fear, foolishness, gluttony, Gossip, greed, hatred, hypocrisy, idol worship, impatience, impure thoughts, jealousy, judgmental, laziness, the love of money, lust, lying, negativity, occultic practices, pornography, pride, profanity, provoking children, quarreling, rebellious to authority, self-righteousness, selfish ambition, sexual immorality, stealing, stubbornness, thanklessness, 
an unloving heart? Vanity? Is it worldliness or worry? What is your heart prone to wander to? My heart most often gets off at the P station on this depravity train. It stops at pride. Way too often, I think way too highly of myself and not like the servant that the Bible says I should be. And pride will express itself often in foolish pleasures like laziness and, and like in gluttony because I think I deserve these things. But oh, God is so gracious to us. Have you written something down yet? Church, let the gospel encourage you. Do you remember how the gospel has freed you? Do you remember what the gospel has done for you? All of these things, whatever you wrote down, the gospel has redeemed us from the penalty of our sin. Because Jesus Christ took our punishment, you no longer need to fear death or face the condemnation of eternal judgment and damnation in a real place called hell. The penalty of sin is gone. You are not condemned. The Lord looks at you with the same eyes that he looks at his own beloved son, Jesus Christ. He looks at you as his treasured possession. The gospel has freed us from the penalty of sin. Not only that, as tightly as your sin grips your own heart, you need to know the gospel has freed us from the power of sin. The power of sin has been rendered useless in the life of the Christian. You feel like it grips you tightly, but you're no longer a slave. By the grace of God, you are free to offer yourself to him no longer as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, to obey its passions. You have been freed from the power of sin to offer yourself as an instrument of righteousness to God. You can say no in the power of Christ. But until this corrupt flesh gains its resurrection and goes to the place that God prepared for it in heaven and is given a new flesh and a new body, as long as we are here in this body, though the penalty is gone and the power has been rendered useless, the presence of sin remains. And we will be tempted day by day by day. But Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. Listen, I know, I know the feelings and the emotions that you feel with your hard heart. I know that day by day, you are consumed with these things. Fear. Doubt. Shame. And guilt. I know you know the gospel truth, but these emotions cloud your mind. You do not need to be afraid that the Lord will not receive you. Trust him alone. Trust that he will receive you with open arms and that he will not put you away. He is a sympathetic, compassionate high priest. And you know what? He knows your struggle and 
he overcame it. So not only is he sympathetic, but then this, he is our helpful high priest. I'm going to read the whole passage again, beginning to end, 14 to 16. It says, Since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is our helpful high priest. He doesn't just feel for you. Jesus takes the necessary steps to equip you to overcome temptation. So remember the old covenant high priest, right? Aaron and his contemporaries. These guys, when they offered the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, it was in a specific room, right? In the tabernacle, originally, then the temple. And there was, do you remember this from the Bible? There's different, like, um, different rooms within the tabernacle. And the one room where the, the sacrifice was offered was a special room called the Holy of Holies. You guys, do you guys remember this? Yeah? So in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the covenant, not just something George Lucas and Indiana Jones made up, real thing, really significant to our theology and our faith. And when the sacrifice was made, once a year, only the high priest, and only in the prescribed way, would proceed into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the slain, slaughtered animal, and would sprinkle the blood on the Ark of the Covenant, and in the Ark of the Covenant, or excuse me, in the Holy of Holies, it says that the Lord would manifest the glory of his presence in a thick cloud. And if Aaron did not enter in the prescribed way, he would die. Only the high priest, only the prescribed way, only once a year. And when the sacrifice was given, and when atonement was made, grace and mercy and forgiveness would extend to all of God's covenant people. Okay, so January and February, right now in this calendar, this is like award season, right? Time of the year, Golden Globes happen, and like everyone nitpicks every little detail and every little thing. I can't remember how many vines and how many posts and how many memes were made from that little look that Leonardo DiCaprio made to that, yeah, everyone cares so much about these things, right? And without doubt, the most prestigious of the award shows is, you know what it is? Oscars, right? The Academy Awards. Those are happening in February. Last year, 2015, 36.6 million people were watching the Academy Awards at any given time. The year before, in 2014, 43.7 million people at any given time were watching the Academy Awards. People would watch to see their favorite household name celebrities converge on the red carpet for interviews, to discuss their fashion and their upcoming movies. And while millions watched at home, only a select few, under 100, actually got seats 
to a stand on the red carpet. And if they're lucky, people would actually come up and shake their hand or come take a picture or even wave at them from afar while all us snubs sat at home and, and watched on TV. But maybe like, like me, you don't really care that much about fashion or movies or celebrities or stuff like that, but, but you can't even count how many times you've tweeted hashtag NBA vote kick the Raptors in because you so desperately want to see our team there and you would love to get a ticket, once in a lifetime ticket, to see Kobe play his last all-star game and Steph Curry and, and you're just pining to be there when that happens, right? But Christian, church, when the scripture says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, have you forgotten? Do you not know? We are afforded access to enter in the red carpet of red carpets, the most prestigious, most glorious, most awesome place any human could ever hope to be. And we are beckoned to draw near with confidence so that the Lord would help us from his throne of grace. I'm prone to a hard heart. And maybe you're starting to realize that you listen to the deceitfulness of sin too. But something important that all of us hard-hearted people need to learn. The confidence that we usually have when we have a hard heart is like a demanding confidence, right? Because it's my will, my world, and I'm just like barking orders and you better be on my page, right? Okay. This confidence, it's not that, okay? It's not. So there's a chant. I know you know this chant. You, you've probably heard it like at like a picket line or maybe at like a protest. We're like really demanding people are really confident that like, we want our thing. We're all together here with one collective will. We're here, we're confident, we're demanding. You know this cheer, so, so we're gonna have a little mini protest here. I know you guys aren't normally demanding, but just like, so what we want, let's pretend what we want is we want shorter commutes downtown. Okay, that's what we want, okay? So, so we've all gathered together at, at City Hall and, and, and the chant, here's my line, my line is, what do we want? And, and what's your line? Okay, okay, and then my next line is, and when do we want it? And you say, yes, now. that's right, all right. So let, let's try this again. But like, you're demanding. You want this, right? Like, what do we want? And when do we want it? Okay, when we have the confidence and are given the confidence to draw, it's not like that, okay? This is not the confidence that we have to draw near to the throne of grace. Remember, sin revokes our access to the presence of God. It is only through the blood of Jesus that we can enter into his presence. Listen to this passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, since brother, what, what do we have? Confidence to go where? To enter the holy places. How? By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened uh, for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. It was only the high priest, only in the prescribed way, 
only once a year, but now, church, through Jesus Christ, the new and living way has been opened, and we have the confidence to draw near to the presence of God, the red carpet of red carpets, to find help in our time of need. So how does confidence express itself? Well, I think this passage demonstrates that the confidence to draw near to the throne of grace will express itself in three ways. The confidence to draw near to the throne of grace will first express itself in the courage of open, honest confession of our weaknesses. The courage to be openly honest with our weaknesses. God, I'm tempted with pride again. I'm tempted with pride again. How many of our, of our relationships are in shambles because we don't have the courage to be openly honest when we've wronged someone? How many of our relationships are in shambles because we've tried to have the courage to be openly honest with when we've wronged others, but they blow us up as soon as we tell them that we're sorry? When you draw near, you don't have to fear either of those things. Draw near. We can have the confidence and the courage to be openly honest with our weaknesses because God is enthroned on grace and he will receive you. The confidence to draw near to the Lord will express itself in courage to be openly honest with our weaknesses. It will also express itself in the humility of physical contrition. The humility of physical contrition. Do you remember that story that Jesus told about two people who prayed? The Pharisee and the tax collector? Do you guys remember that? If you don't, I'll fill you in. Cole's notes version. Here's, he said there was the Pharisee that came into open square and he prayed like this. God, I'm so thankful I'm not like that sinner over there. Oh, man, you, I'm just great. And in public, just like boasting about his self-righteousness, right? Spoiler, that's not the guy Jesus commends, right? That's, that's not... The sinner over here that was appointing about was a tax collector. And it says Jesus commended him because he wouldn't even look to the sky. He beat his chest. Lord, I'm tempted with pride again. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Now here's the thing. Physical contrition and humility, you can't manufacture that. I don't care if you get on your knees just because you think you need to do the good holy thing. No, 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 no. True physical contrition and humility is a product of the fear of God and brokenness. Do you have the fear of the Lord? Or are you just sad that someone caught you? Are you broken that you loved something that Jesus called filthy? Or do you just want others to look at you and say, wow, that guy looks pretty holy? The fear of the Lord and true brokenness will make us draw near with physical contrition. 
it will draw near and the courage to be openly honest with our weaknesses and then this, the confidence to draw near to the Lord will express itself in the reverence of desperate need. The reverence of desperate need. Jesus is our model for this. Look at chapter five, verse seven, just a couple of verses later. Chapter five, verse seven says this. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Tears? Loud cries? Is that really necessary? When you realize how needy you are, and you have the faith to believe how able God is, yeah, you're going to cry out in reverent desperation. God, I'm tempted to be proud again. Have mercy on me, a sinner. If, if you don't help me, I will be lost in this sin. I desperately need your help, Lord. We all desperately need the Lord's help. What faith do we have in our prayers to ask the Spirit of God to move if the way we pray won't even move our own spirits? Are you beginning to feel the weight of your sin? Are you starting to realize how sin actually deceives you? Don't look to your sin anymore. Look to the Lord Jesus. Don't fear that he won't receive you. He's sympathetic. Trust him alone. Draw near to him today. Draw near to him with confidence today because he will receive you and he will extend to you grace and mercy so that you can hold fast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you three scripture references. I would encourage you to write these down because this is what mercy and grace does this is how mercy and grace helps us so that you can say no, so that you can stand firm, so that you can hold fast. When you draw near with confidence, bank on it, you will receive mercy. Romans 12:1 is your first reference. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When you draw near, you will receive mercy, and mercy will motivate you to offer yourself to the Lord in an act of worship and not to offer yourself to sin. When you draw near, you will find grace. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12 is the next reference. When you draw near to the Lord with confidence, you bank on it, you will find grace. Four, Titus 2.11, the grace of God has appeared. What has it done? Bringing salvation for all people. What else does it do? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What else does it do? And to live self-controlled, upright Godly lives in this present age. Grace will train you to identify your temptation, 
to call it what it is, and to say no, to live upright and godly lives. When you draw near, you will receive mercy, you will find grace, and then this, when you draw near to God in confidence, he will draw near to you. James chapter four, verse five to 10 is the last reference. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. Bank on it, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your minds, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. If you are in Christ... You are his treasured possession. He gave you his spirit so that you could interact with him and he's jealous for you. He doesn't want to share you with the world. Draw near with confidence and you will receive mercy. You will find grace and the Lord himself will draw near to you. Draw near because you have a superior high priest. He's the capital W only way. Draw near because you have a sympathetic high priest. You can trust in him. Draw near because he will give you help so that you can hold fast. Will you stand with me as we pray? And as we pray, I hope that if you listen and you agree and you want this prayer to your own prayer, that you will say amen when the prayer closes. And I hope when the words come on the screen to sing, that you will sing them not as someone else's words, but as your own very words. So let's seek the Lord. Father in heaven, we desperately, desperately need you. Father, I'm tempted to so much, so often. I'm tempted with pride. I'm tempted with foolish pleasures. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I desperately need your help. Lord, your church, your church desperately needs your help because without you, we're lost. Without you, we can do nothing. So Lord, please, please, please change our hearts so that we would look to you and not our sin, so that we would trust in you, believing you are sympathetic and compassionate and will receive us and motivate us to draw near to you when our heart is hard. And give us the faith to believe that you will help, that you will extend your grace and mercy that was available because of the shed blood of our high priest, Jesus Christ. We are weak, but we want to be a people for your own possession. Holy as you are holy, zealous for good deeds and proclaiming the excellencies of you who transferred us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And we sing to you because we love you and you're worthy of our worship. This prayer we offer you in Jesus' name.